Welcome back to Customers Who Click, the e-commerce podcast for DC brands. In each episode, we will look to answer one important question. What is the one thing brands should be doing right now to get customers clicking? Each guest will take us through actionable insights and real-life examples from brands excelling in the art of customer attraction. So whether you're looking to enhance your conversion rates, boost average order values, or extend customer lifetime value, this is the podcast for you. Visit customerswhoclick.com for all our past episodes and to connect with us. Now dive into the world of D2C e-commerce with us and unravel the secrets to keeping those customers clicking. Today's guest is the truly inspirational Nigel Thomas, a former CEO at Alpha Inbound, which he grew from just a few thousand to over 100k a month, and now founder of David to Goliath, where he's documenting his comeback and building a 100,000 strong community in public, interviewing the best underdogs of our generation. Nigel's story and his current journey demonstrates his deep commitment to personal growth and empowering others, and this is exactly why I've invited him onto the show. Let's hear from Nigel now. Hi, Nigel. Thanks for joining me. Give us a little bit of an introduction to yourself. Um, what, what have you been up to? What's, what's your background and, and how have you got to where you are today? Yeah, so at 26 years old, I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was, Will. I'm a class myself as one today. You know, I didn't have candy empires in school and I wasn't selling lemonade. I literally had to Google the term entrepreneurship because I was, I've grown up in a background of accountants, very risk-averse mindset. And I was working a nine-to-five job. I just knew something inherently was wrong. And I just did not fit in. And if we look at the crossing the chasm, if anyone knows this in terms of market adoption, the 2.5% at the start of the innovators, right? And that's where the entrepreneurs are. And that's where now I've realized I fit into that category, which by default means when you're in most crowds, you're not going to stick in. You're not, you're going to stand out with most crowds, right? So I kind of understood this, but I couldn't make sense of it. That I got an opportunity to essentially do some freelancing work on Upwork. And I just quit my job with no savings in the bank. I threw my chartered accountantship in the bin and I just went for it and started my own agency. And one thing led to another. I actually failed at that agency. I went and joined another agency in the real estate space. And I joined Alpha Inbound in 2021. And at the time, doing about 5,000 a month in revenue. And in that previous agency, the owner turned out to be a narcissist. So he basically ran the business into the ground. And I'm given that context because I had a redemption that I needed to prove myself to me and also to the world. So I put my balls on the line. I said to Josh, I'll get this agency to $100,000 a month. Don't know exactly how I'm going to do it. I just know that I'm not going to stop until the job is done. In September 2023 this year, we hit that target. We hit about 113,000, I think it was. By the end of the year, hit 140,000 in revenue. So from the outside looking in, everything was sunshine and rainbows. But on the inside, I was crumbling. I lost the person that believed in me most, a woman that actually I built all these agencies with. And she left me. She decided to cut me out overnight. And I nearly gave up on everything, including life. And it was in that dark moment that I said to myself, if I'm not going to continue for me, I'm going to rise again and document my comeback for everyone else who deserves a second chance. Because I believe for entrepreneurs, Will, that Steve Jobs said it best. It's the people who think they are crazy enough to change the world. They're the ones that do. But what he didn't say 
is the best ideas are found in graveyards all over our lands because people didn't have the confidence to conquer their fears and take that chance. And I'm making that chance a choice with my comeback. And we can talk about what I'm doing now after the e-commerce world. But that's been my story to date. And the last thing I'll say is I love entrepreneurship. It's not easy. It's not the highlight reel you all see online. It's blood, sweat, and tears, but it's the best drug in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been in the, the startup space before before I started on my own. So I've I've been there. I've, you know, I've seen how tough it can get. And, um, you know, we've been connected for, I want to say, a couple of years Yeah, now. 18 months. Yeah. I'm not... Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not too sure, actually. But a, a while, right? So I've seen... I've seen your progress. I've been following you know, you know your journey um, the last yeah whatever eight, year eighteen months, um, and it's it's been really impressive. And you know obviously you share a lot of it. Um, yeah, I think you've been very transparent, very open with everything you've been doing, how you've been doing it. You've you've shared a lot. Um, so it's really interesting to see what you're you're now doing um, with, with your new venture, um, which we'll, we'll I think we'll get to in a bit. Yeah, I agree um, with that one. But first, what, what I'd like to do is, you know, you um, obviously you've, you've got a lot of e-commerce experience, um, uh, especially recently. So what I'd like to ask you is, you know, from your experience, you know, what, what do you think is that one thing that brands should be focusing on right now to get their customers clicking? So when I started with Facebook ads, there was a huge supply and demand opportunity, right? There wasn't that many advertisers but there's a lot of people using Facebook, you know, Meta, Facebook, and Instagram, which meant, obviously, from a pure economic standpoint, the prices were really cheap. So you could get away with not having the business fundamentals in place, but you could still get customers really, really cheap. So what happened is people took advantage of that opportunity, and a lot of people made a lot of money, but the problem is, is that the market caught up. And especially the big companies who were testing the water out a little bit, they started dumping a lot of money in. And obviously, way more players just came into the space overall. The supply, you know, the amount of advertisers came up. And ultimately, it was a lot more competitive. And what that meant is we're now going back to real business fundamentals. So we can talk about unit economics for sure, because that has its place and it's extremely important. But ultimately, if you want to stand out now, you have to be more creative. And really, how you stand out and you build connection with people, because we're tribal by nature, you have a better brand and you have a better story. And I can give some fantastic examples of this. I'll give you one right now. So I know Sean Riley from Dude Wipes, and they have gone into the toilet paper industry. So people don't think you can sell specific products. These guys have made toilet paper sexy, okay? And it's a huge industry. And they built that company, just six guys, mainly three of them. They went on Shark Tank. You know, they've got a whole backstory to it. They went from naught to nearly 100 million in the last few years. And the way they've done it isn't by doing the best Facebook ads. It's by having the best story and branding and connecting with people on such a deep level and as they scale up, always being true to their branding. And they've done crazy stunts. So there was one example right at the start where there was this huge football game, millions of people watching on live television. 
So Sean and his friends went along to the football game. They bought a cardboard cutout sign. And I can't remember what it said on the sign, but I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this podcast. Will you have to cut me out if if we're not allowed to? <laughs> Within reason? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't worry. We'll take it easy. We basically, all their brand is about toilet papers. So they do a lot of shit jokes, right? So we had some sort of funny shit joke yeah. with like an ass emoji on this wooden banner. And they stuck it up behind one of the scoreboards on live TV. And it was there the whole game. They got 3 million website visits in one weekend and it broke their website. So, and that was literally, they have to pay, what, $20 for a cardboard cutout? So that's pure creativity. Yeah. And that's because they had a really good Compared to, yeah, I I mean, yeah, like $20 for that compared to, I don't even know what a Super Bowl advert costs now, but I think the ad spots are several million for 30 seconds a minute. Yep. Um, and that, that's without the actual creative and stuff that goes into it, which is probably hundreds of thousands as well. So, yeah. And this is why the biggest competitive advantage is when you go all in. And Sean talks about this as well. Yeah. He didn't do side hustles, okay? He didn't have a stable job. He just went all in and he figured it out. The reason why that's so important, Will, is and this is e-commerce, but it's all business really, is because when you backs up against the wall, you need to find weird and wacky ways to overcome problems like Sean did, okay? But what happens, the yeah. result of that is massive innovation. And that's why, my, in my opinion, entrepreneurs are the best people to lead the world in a better place because when their back's up against the wall and they're constrained with resources, they come up with these new ideas and they result in massive breakthroughs and innovation. And e-commerce brands can definitely take this to heart and have it within their culture to be more creative. And sure, you need to do the fundamentals, you need to have a website, you need to do the funnel and all that kind of stuff, the stuff I've been talking about for ages. But really, if you want a massive outsized return, you're going to have to do something extremely creative. And again, another example is Liquid Death. They turn water sexy. Yeah. Look, like, look at what they've done. And that's because they understood branding and storytelling. Yeah. And I think it's like, you know, a lot of brands will try and do something creative, but they're a lot of the time they're looking for that viral hit, right? They're looking to yeah. create something which is going to go absolutely mental and they're hoping mm. that's going to kind of launch their brand or save their brand. Yeah. But then that's the only thing you hear from them. They, they never keep it up. Like Brewdog is another example. Yeah. Right? They have consistently... Um, done essentially guerrilla marketing right obviously it's it's now had budget applied to it but they're still using those kind of more creative ways of mm. of advertising i i remember seeing the met on the metro newspaper um it was a full page ad i think it was on the back the back page and it was ratings from a um a beer rating website yeah i can't remember what it's called probably is literally something like rate my beer ratebeer.com um and it was Punk IPA versus three of your standard yeah. brands that have been around forever. I think it was like Heineken, Kronenberg, Budweiser, something like that. And it literally just pointing out their ratings. And that was pretty much the ad. They didn't say we're the best. They didn't say why they think they're the best. They just said, you know, 8.8 for Brewdog. And it was like one point something, two point something, two point something for the others. That was the ad. Yeah, it, it makes sense because 
a lot of people give out tactics, right? You, you see them all the time, whether it's LinkedIn, Twitter, like how to write hooks, how to use psychology to do certain things. They're all great. But when you apply it to a foundation of a unique story, trust me when I tell you, I've spent over $100 million on paid advertising. I know what works and what doesn't. And it's the brands that have a really unique foundation. For example, one of our clients, Manesh from Ex Mahoney, he literally, has, his daughter was told to put steroids on her at, at three years old because she had eczema, right? And he said, no, I'm going to figure this out myself. He made a home solution in his kitchen with honey, which no one thought would work at the time, with his brother. He solved his daughter's eczema, and then he took that story, and now they're helping millions of people. And I was at the event because he flew me and the team into Las Vegas, at the Ulta Beauty event, and there were women coming up to the counter saying, all the stores here, you know, like Dyson, they have Rihanna there. They said, the one company that I wanted to come up to today is Eczema Honey, because I just need to tell you now, you've literally saved my child's life. And me seeing that in my own eyes, I was just blown away. I was like, wow, because they have the foundation of that unique story that's connected with people on a much deeper level. And the problem is, is analytics don't really tell you that. It, they tell you to an extent, but it, yeah. it, it's hard to see the depth of the connection. And that's why impressions aren't all created equally. And really, the most powerful form of marketing is word of mouth marketing. But what most br brands don't understand well is that it also works negatively against you. So if you're scaling up your ad spend and you've got negative word of mouth working against you. So let's say someone sees your ad and one of their friends has told them, oh, I've used that product and it just doesn't work. It's absolute garbage. They're not going to buy that product. But the thing is, is you won't see that in Facebook. But what you will see is a massive rise in cost. You can hold that off for a certain period of time because you'll always have some suckers that are willing to buy the product, right? No offense. That's just how the world works. But yeah. ultimately, long-term, you're trying to crack through and go big. There will be a point when you fi you're fighting entropy and you won't be able to scale past that barrier unless you've got word of mouth working on your side. Now, on the other side, if you've got incredible word of mouth marketing, your products are so good, there's such a deep story and a connection behind them, then every time, and I know this podcast is about getting people to click, but when people do click, they buy the product, they tell five friends. So now if you're competing with one of your competitors and they're trying to just get one customer every time, but you know that you acquire one customer because your product's so good, Nick, customer experience is so good, they tell five friends. Now you can pay a lot more to acquire that customer because you're actually acquiring six. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, thinking back to my own experiences, right? I, I know that I'm, I would say I'm a reasonably tough customer, <laughs> right? I, I might be happy with the products, but to get a review out of me is is difficult. I, I have to be pretty impressed. There are brands like True Classic. Do you know them? Yeah. The the t-shirt brand. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, advertising was really, really good, right? I mean, it's, it's plain t-shirts. Going back to your point about water, right? And toilet paper. This is just plain t-shirts. You know, a lot. Of, I think a lot of people would look at this and be like, how can you make this special? How can you charge so much more for a plain t-shirt 
but their messaging and their, then their storytelling around it was so good. You know, eventually I purchased and the moment I tried them, I was like, these are just the best t-shirts I've worn. Mm. I, I can't, I have no reason to go to another brand now, right? Unless True Classic disappears. Yeah. Right? You've got no reason to go. And I've told people. Yeah. Right. You're telling me right now and we're telling so it's on this podcast. Very rare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's just, you know, there have been other products where they're great, but because they've not had that same storytelling element to them, mm. I've not been, I, I might think they're great. I might keep rebuying them, but I'm not wowed and I'm not telling people. Whereas True Classic made me a promise at the start with their advertising. And that promise was upheld by, you know, when I actually got the products and tried it on. And that was the connection that's made me go, that's made me talk about them and, and, and just be, yeah, so impressed with them. So, you know, what, what can brands do? Like, how, I know we've, we've only got hey, 20, 25 minutes for the podcast, so we can't go too much depth, but where do you, where do you start? Like, how do you identify that story? I guess, you know, particularly for a brand that maybe is already several years old doing a bit, how, how can you, how can you find something that you can use consistently and make it part of, you know, a core part of your identity rather than, you know, trying to get that viral hit? It's a, it's an interesting question, and the problem is is that when when we ask this brand the question, we start to figure out that a lot of them in in the brand and trying to build the brand for the wrong reasons. Because if it's just for money, and you're trying to fake a story, it's just not going to work the same. So my first question would be, why are you doing this? What is the community? What is the impact that you actually want to make? And start asking you and your team, who should all be aligned with that culture, the same kind of question. Because really, it starts internally. So, you know, how are you talking to each other? Do you have the same kind of interests? And if you can start to create that culture within your team, that will then go outwardly because that will be the work that you create, regardless if, you know, you use another agency or whatever else. So I'd start there because I think it is a very deep thing. But then the other thing is obviously finding a tribe. Like obviously, people talk about community very loosely now, and I think it's kind of got lost in the noise. The reason why communities work, and this is why it's so important right now, and why I believe communities are going to absolutely explode in the next five years, and I'm going to give you an example of one that has to demonstrate it, is because social media is great for connection. But the problem is it doesn't give that deep, meaningful relationship. Harvard Business School did a study on the longest study ever on human happiness for 85 years. They tracked some guys in the States and they literally looked at everything. And the results are quite astounding. And by the way, this was impacting their physical health, their relationships, their stress. They monitored everything. What they found that contributes most to human happiness is deep, meaningful relationships. They're having about four or five deep, meaningful relationships. And right now in this world, there's so many people that are lonely. So if you can find a tribe of people and connect them together with a product and using Eczema Honey, they've got a Facebook group with 10,000 people in there. Sure, people are buying the Eczema Honey products, but the women, the mothers are talking to each other, not just about Eczema Honey, they're talking about how do they, you know, mother their child? The best sporting events they should take them to. These yeah. kind of things. So now that's all built around the brand and it's very tribal by nature. So I think trying to find your community and how to build that 
this is one of the biggest foundations that brands can look at. And really, if you do that properly, they will give you all of the content ideas, and especially if you meet them face-to-face. It sounds kind of like mum's net, but sponsored sponsored yeah. by, by the brand, right? You, you let people do their thing once they're in there. They have their conversations they help each other out they you know they are that community but it everyone knows it's kind of the reason it's there is because of that brand and so that that content drops in i spoke to uh crossrope um the the kind of weighted um skipping rope um brand and and they've, they've kind of done a similar thing they have a, a facebook group i think it's about a hundred thousand people mm-hmm. but they use it as part of their acquisition process yeah right so They've got their customers in there. Their customers will share their experiences with their their crossrope. Um, they they share their training plans. Some people will literally just be like, "I've done my training today. How's everyone else doing?" Right. So it is a community, but they allow anyone to get in. Right. It's not a customer community. It's uh, well, sorry, it's not everyone. It's still kind of closed, but they don't. You don't have to be a customer to get in. So what they do is, if you get onto their email list. And you're not a customer they invite you in right they invite you to come see how the community um likes the product and engages so you get as a non-customer you get to go in there and see real life social proof that is just constantly going to hit your feed um for a while and eventually you're going to say yeah actually this does sound like like a great idea i'm going to buy one yeah um so they've done that yeah again like just building a community, giving people a, a reason to share things mm-hmm. um, and, and talk and communicate together. And that's and it's, it's hugely contribute, contributing to their growth. Yeah, I think the other thing is people want like something they could do quick because maybe they're listening to this thinking like, that all sounds great, but how, you know, I'm a small company. I haven't got much resources. I was actually talking to this brand a few months back and they had incredible retention metrics. I've never seen retention metrics like this before. And I was wondering, what's the secret? What's the hack? What software they're using? So I got on the call of the woman and she told me the secret. And it was very simple. Every single time they send out a product, not only do they include a handwritten note, they also have a picture of the person packing the product. And what's been a result of that, because I've been doing it for so long, is people have naturally been taking pictures of this and sharing it on their social networks, which now over time has compounded and they created a low, a massive community. And obviously they've got all this viral marketing just from these people posting organically, Yeah, but they did it from the heart and they had the people behind the company. That is how something you can do right now today to start your community. And that is something that obviously... In terms of numbers, we're thinking about the financial and unit economic side, because you know ads are expensive. That'll give you much higher retention, will bring you in more customers, so then you can spend more on the front end with advertising. Yeah, it's like little kind of surprise and delight experiences, right? Something that it's a small little thing, but you do it to everyone without fail, right? It's it's not a gimmick, it's not not automated. Um uh, yeah, you're not faking it. It is just everyone gets that experience. Um, and it's just that little thing. Yes, yeah, it's, it's that little thing when you open the box up and you go, oh, that's that's nice. Yeah, it just creates that little positive feeling for you. Then you try out the product, you like it, and then you get it again the next time. And if it's if it's from someone else, yeah, I mean, 
maybe this is the marketer in me overanalyzing it a bit, but if it was someone else, that's when I'd be like, oh, okay, this is this is actually a legit thing they're doing. That's that's really cool. Yeah. Um, we've, t- we've talked about a few brands um, that, that do this uh, uh, really well, but have you got any other examples top of mind? Well, I'm sorry, or we can have a look at storytelling. Yeah. I would, I would say Dude Wipes are one of the best that I've seen. I think they really yeah. lean into their branding. I would say they've done an incredible job of... Actually, no. Midday Squares. I just actually interviewed my newsletter, Jake Carls. Yeah. And Midday Squares. So they've taken authenticity to a complete extreme, almost to the point where people think it's too extreme. I, for one, love it because I think they're putting their balls on the line so much. So basically, for people who don't know, they're a chocolate company and they're trying to disrupt Hershey's and Mars. And what happened is earlier on is Hershey's tried to sue them and they were going to go bankrupt, right? Obviously, you know, they're just going to put them out of business, the lawyer fees. And what they did is instead of trying to do it all behind the scenes, they came out and documented the whole thing and it massively backfired on Hershey's. Because it just made everyone so much more connected with midday squares. And then after that, they've just been stepping it up so much to the point where two of the founders, so it's Nick, Leslie, and then Leslie's brother, uh, Jake Carls, who I interviewed. And basically, Nick and Leslie were thinking about getting divorced at one point. And they literally have live therapy sessions talking about the business and their potential divorce on a podcast that they share with the world. like So that, the connection that that's creating is just absolutely insane to the point where their fans are literal super fans and they're just spreading the word like crazy and they're doing it all organically. And Jake, who, you know, he went from kind of like a class clown and didn't really fit into society. He's now this like chocolate rainmaker, the, the real life Willy Wonka. So I definitely go and check out Midday yeah. Squares. As they're on their path to build, you know, a hundred million dollar chocolate company in public, but most importantly, how they've connected with their fan base. And I think a lot of people can look at that and take some lessons. Yeah, awesome. Sounds great. Uh, have you got a book, uh, like a book, a podcaster, an influencer, something at the moment that you'd be like, right, listeners need to go check this out? Yeah. So I thought I'd come across the best book on leadership which is Legacy, which is a fantastic book in its own right. It's about how the All Blacks went from a laughing stock to the best rugby team ever built and the the 15 principles behind it. But for Christmas, my mum got me a book called The Motive by Patrick Lencioni. And this is now my favourite and most powerful leadership book ever. And what Patrick Lencioni does is he, he has a story, a fable, He's a great writer as well. I picked it up, you know, scanning it through thinking, I'll just check a few things out. Maybe I can get a few gold nuggets. It had me grit, Will. I read the whole thing in 24 hours. Okay. So it's a story of two leaders. One leader who isn't actually a leader, but he thinks he is. And the other leader who is a proper leader. And the reason why, and he talks about lessons after he shared the story, and there's lots of twists and turns in there is the motives behind it. So there's two types of leaders. One is the reward-driven leader, where you're really doing it for ego. These are the, the fate leaders. You're not in it for the right reasons. The other one, the true leaders, are responsibility-driven leaders. 
And honestly, reading that book for me personally, it resonated very deeply because I already thought a lot of the stuff, but no one had said it in the way that Patrick Lencioni had. And he just hit things so hard and he hit the nail. I think for a lot of people listening, if you're leading a team or you're in a team with a leader, if you read that book, you should be asking some hard questions. And I think even if you're not a leader and you accept that, that's also a massive strength in itself, especially when you own the company and then you can get a responsibility-driven leader because I've had really, really bad leaders. Like I said, I've worked for narcissists and leading is not about ruling with an iron fist. Leading is about the person who's willing to sacrifice the most of their people. So Patrick Lencioni, I should be getting an affiliate link from this guy, but it was an incredible yeah, book. Yeah. It's an incredible writer. The motives, check it out. Amazing. Cool. I'll, I'll make sure it's in the show notes. Uh, definitely. And um, just before we finish up then, if people want to learn more from you, get in touch, you know, follow you on social media or whatever, what, what's the best way of doing that? Yeah, so obviously, like I said, I'm documenting my comeback in public and I've got a massive audacious goal. I'm building a $100,000, I was going to say, a 100,000 person community on a newsletter, which is called David to Goliath. And the whole premise of it is, is that the reason David beat Goliath, right, with a slingshot and a few pebbles, because he had that self-belief transferred to him. And I had that transferred to me through this woman, even though I lost it. And that gave me the confidence to go and conquer all these things and do these incredible things in business. And I think if I can pass on that self-belief through documenting my comeback in real time, because by the way, I haven't got lots of money in the bank. Sure, I built these businesses, but I wasn't the majority shareholder. So I've left a six-figure salary job to do this because if I'm going from David to Goliath, I need to be in it as well, just like everyone else. I can't fake it. That's that whole story thing. So I'm documenting everything, not just sharing the good, but also the bad and the damn right ugly. So if you want a front seat to the pure chaos of an entrepreneur building in public, documenting his comeback, climbing off the canvas of death to rise again, then davidtogoliath.com, join the movement, share your struggles, and together we'll climb the mountain of greatness. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Nigel. That's been uh, really great. Um, I- I've read the first the first couple of or first few uh, emails, so uh, I can definitely recommend it. Um, yeah, there's some great content in there oh, and on LinkedIn, uh, as always. So um, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, just before we go, Will, I'll just say that I understand how hard it is putting together podcasts. You've been doing this for quite some time now. The consistency is very admirable. So what I'll say is a massive respect to you for doing this for the community, putting out all this great content. You should be proud of yourself. Thank you. Yeah, it means a lot. Thank you, Nigel. Thanks for listening. That's all we have time for today. If you have any questions or would like to add to today's conversation, join me here on the podcast, sponsor the show or work with me. Simply email will at customerswhoclick.com. Visit our website, customerswhoclick.com or connect with me, Will Lawrenson on LinkedIn. But until next time, keep those customers clicking. Thank you.